Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, but like what's, what's the point in picking Ramsey out? I mean, you've just watched the manager crash the ship into rocks and then you've walked down into the hole, pointed at one of the rowers and said, you, you cunt, come with me. What the, <laughs> fuck, what the fuck are you at? Tim Sherwood here, you're listening to the Villa Podcast. One hundred and sixteen seconds. One minute and fifty-six seconds. Like that's all we got. One, one minute and fifty-six seconds of optimism, of you know, a, a new start. Like everybody saw the team sheet and thought, "Wow, look at that bench! Like, this is great. It's a new season. The manager has gotten the pre-season that I never shut the fuck up about all last season. He got the pre-season to work with the team. Here we go. We're playing. Bo- we're actually here we go. I need to learn how to pronounce." Bournemouth I almost slipped into Bournemouth there and I thought oh wouldn't this be a nice little cute segment that we could talk about me not being able to pronounce no there's nothing fucking cute about today we got one minute and 56 seconds of bliss and then it was ruined we were all reminded of the team we support of the spineless nature of them and then the Villa account now call me a conspiracy theorist but they were tweeting out then saying after three minutes that they've conceded three <laughs> minutes it was one minute and 56 seconds we conceded didn't even have the ball and we conceded a goal to newly promoted Bur- Bournemouth. <laughs> the, the opposition went ahead, won the, and and that was it. And I once again like I, I replay the tapes that we shouldn't. There's no point in doing this podcast. Just go through all last season. We said it all. We were never going to come back after 60 minutes. The commentators were talking about the formality of this win now. Like you know, what what a win this is going to be for for Bournemouth. Like that this is. This is a great start for them because they're going into three actually tough games next. They've got they got Villa, they got a big opportunity at home to these chumps. And that was it. And you know what? The three-minute thing as well worked. Like that spin that the Villa account put out there. I saw everybody then laughing and how pathetic we were. You know, like, oh, three minutes. Even Villa fans themselves being like, for fuck's sake, he gave us three minutes. They didn't even give us three minutes. <laughs> and this is a new season, a new dawn. 
Yeah, and it was the third game that I've watched and just thinking about it, you know, Crystal Palace, they lost two of their better players, but after half an hour last night, they looked like they were good again. Like if they could just tell Mark Guy to not tie his laces as the ball's coming into his six-yard box at stomach height, <laughs> like they should be all right. Arsenal look like they've got the most un-Arsenal centre half, although the fact that he's been at the club for three years where they're right splashing 50 million quid on Ben White is pretty Arsenal. Fulham look really good this afternoon. All the excitement these clubs have, they look like it could be the, this year's Brentford or Leeds from yeah. two years ago. And Aston Villa look like it could be this year's Aston fucking Villa. <laughs> Bournemouth are not a serious club. Like They're doing well for how pathetic they are. I mean, they've got an 11,000 seater stadium when they're competing with no other club for half a million people. Come on. The broadcast angle in the stadium looked like the camera was on someone's fucking shoulder. <laughs> and when they get relegated, the important thing to remember, and don't worry, you'll be given plenty of reminders as the season progresses, the important thing to remember is that it's not Scott Parker's fault. And the annoying thing is, when he oversees his third relegation in four and a half years, it won't actually have been his fault because Bournemouth aren't good. <laughs> They're a championship club with championship players and they've made us look like exactly what we are. A fucking pile of shitbags. In the last 18 months, we're averaging a point a game. And if you take out the new manager bounce and get into play Norwich twice, it's fucking grim. We're so bad, it's unbelievable. Like in the last two seasons, we've had two modes of attack. Give the ball to Grealish or dick around with it, playing around the outside of teams. And then when the opposition realise we're useless and they even suggest they might put a bit of pressure on, we lump and aim this ball forward. Like, the fear in this team to play a pass is unbelievable. It's crazy. And it's crazy how you, one goal can undo everything after a minute and 56 seconds. Like that, I say undo everything. I assume there wasn't anything else planned because the, the amount of long balls that we put up there. Like, we, like we, we're going to get into the tactical talk and stuff a bit later, but what was the crack of all the crossing? Is, is, that, is that what we were planning the whole preseason? Is, is that... What Gerard wanted to get these boys for that extended period of time for, so that they could just float shit crosses into the box. I saw a stat: thirty-one fucking crosses, six of them, six found ahead, or I don't even know, found ahead, or found a person. And I, I, I can remember one, which is obviously up for the Rossenthal Award, that actually found a person in a position that he should have scored. The rest of them, I don't know, did they find somebody at the far side of the box when it was overhit? Like the, the amount of aimless passion of play, like it's. It's scary. It's scary how bad Villa are, and it's scary how bad they are tactically, how bad they look on the ball, how devoid of ideas they are, how spineless they are, how bad they are in defence. Like, go through the fucking list, and here we are. (laughs) Here we are again. What were we expecting, really? Like, what were we expecting? I have no idea. Like, like the crossing comes from the fact that we're just playing it around, playing around the ages of the game. Like, Bailey and Coutinho, Ramsey and McGinn all coming out on the loop to pick the ball off from the centre half and then give it to the other centre half. Today was unbelievable the amount of times we ignored our midfield to turn it over the top. The amount of times we ignored an overlap or an underlap to cross the fucking ball in. And every time, over the top or the cross, it went to the Bournemouth back three. It was unbelievable. Why have we been talking about this for 18 months and nothing's been done about it? Yeah. Sorry, something has been. We've changed their manager and it hasn't changed. Like we've slagged off Arsenal for the culture that just seems to transcend generations at their club. That spineless yellow streak. What's our culture as a football club? Unable to play football? <laughs> yeah, unable to play football, unable to create an identity, unable to create a culture, really. like Our culture is that we're the most uncultured team in English football. And... Yeah, like, I, I don't know. Like, I went back to the, the Watford games. Obviously, Villa are, are 
notoriously terrible on the opening day. Um, we back to the Watford game to feel better, did you? To watch us put in a decent performance by comparison. <laughs> yeah, well, at least we had the, at least we had the mercy of going three 0 down in that game, and as we all know, like we, we we come to life then. But like we've changed like six different players started today from that team. Like that's in the space of, of eleven months, and and we changed the manager and we brought in uh, you know more players on top of that. Like and this is like give us flexibility. We we the bench did look great on paper as well. Like the. We have completely refreshed everything, and it doesn't matter. The same shit prevails. You just talked about the the average amount of points we're getting per game. It's it's now worse than what Dean Smith's bad year was. Like that time Grealish got injured and it just kept going until November. It's it's now averaging worse than that. It's two wins in twelve games against two teams that were that were relegated, <laughs> and now we're yeah we're struggling against like we're not struggling. We're getting outplayed by a team who's just come up from a championship and are starts to go back down. Yeah, absolutely. And they're guaranteed to go back down as well. And there was the really frustrating thing for me was Villa brought on Buendia for Ramsey at half time and the commentator announces Gerard blinks first. I think he must have seen Gerard open his eyes from the nap he was having during the first half and just assumed it was a blink. Like, <laughs> nobody should ever panic after conceding an early goal, but you also shouldn't do nothing. Yeah. Like, it, it's an immediately different game to the one that you've planned for. So you need a new plan. It's, it's like we were trying to kill the game, kill the crowd, keep possession, draw them out, wait for the gaps up here. We're 1-0 down. There are no gaps. As for the fucking crowd, you're, it's, it's like we congratulated them on the return to the Premier League by throwing them a fucking party. It's handing out goodie bags at the door with bottles of Jägermeister and six-pack of Red Bull and a gram of Coke. And then standing there looking at them going, God, I don't know why where they're getting their energy from. This is unbelievable. <laughs> Well, let's talk about the two goals of the game. First one, like I said, was inside two minutes. Um, you know, but before boys would have even gotten a stream to watch the match, like the, bu- <laughs> <laughs> the bubble was burst. They were coming in to realize that this game was already over. We're already behind, and it's just a floated corner in. Like no one's tight. Kanza doesn't get high enough. It doesn't look like he wants to get up enough, um, or at all. And like, <laughs> I know it's funny because everybody liked to. I think there's a a thing out there now at the minute, you know, when Mings isn't playing, or who are we going to blame now that Mings isn't playing? But surely of all of all the games, this would have been a game for Mings. Like they're playing, <laughs> they're playing Solanke and Murr up top. They're not. It's com- it's completely obvious from their team sheet what they're going to do. It's it's five at the back. It's not wing backs. It's five. It's three workman like centre midfielders, and then they're just going to lump it up to Kiefer Murr and Solanke and see what happens. And and of course, like that's how the two goals came from as well. And of course, we didn't play. Probably, or definitely, our best player in there. We played Konza, who doesn't seem to want to get into there anymore. Yeah, I mean, when the ball comes in, the Konza, he was on his heels for for that initial cross. I mean, he looks like he's jumping out of a bowl of porridge. And Carlos as well isn't tight enough. And the annoying thing is that ball is going to the back post clear as fucking day, and we're not ready for it. But when it falls to Lerner, Lerner, I mean. It should be easier for him to get through Dublin Airport than the amount of bodies that were between him and the fucking nets. <laughs> there are four Villa players there for yeah. fuck's sake. But they're Cash. all inside the box. It's for, or inside the small box. It's four Villa players just, just crowded inside the six-yard box while he's sort of standing about nine, ten yards out. Yeah, and Cash and JJ go out, to be fair to them, to block it. They don't get there in time. And look, maybe Ings and Kamara are expecting them to block it and they've just started to peel away for the counter-attack because it just couldn't be what it looked like. 
that we have two professional footballers that are afraid of the ball. Like, they were going out of their way to get out of the way of that shot. It was really fucking pathetic. Well, speaking of getting out of the way, <laughs> Luca Dina couldn't find him. I couldn't, I couldn't spot him in the box doing any defender. No, no. He was over taking his jewellery off on the sideline while a corner was being taken. Like, what the fuck? I don't think it would have affected the goal, but like it just really smacked of what what sort of attitude Villa brought to today. Why is, like, what the fuck is that about? Like, what is going on? Why is that stuff not just unspoken? Like, lads, we're, we're prepared for this match. Take your jewellery off. Am I, in fairness to Stephen Gerrard, why would he even think of saying something like that? <laughs> let's go out and let's be ready for this match are we ready to rock no we're not oh sorry shoot oh two minutes in forgot my jewelry hang on i'll head over here it's a corner ah it should be all right no it's not all right it's one nil it's game over <laughs> it's game over after two minutes yeah i hope it was a fucking choker necklace and i hope it was a couple of sizes too small what a plonker <laughs> uh second goal i mean yeah I, I don't know, like, I need to talk to some centre-halves or defensive coaches or whatever, but you know, Konza gets dragged over to the left-hand side again, and I'm I'm wondering why. Maybe he has to, I don't know, maybe you don't want to just give someone all that space, they're so close to your goal, but I just feel like you're if you're playing two centre-halves, you should be shifting players over, like you're passing them on. If somebody's running into somebody else's channel, then just leave them off, play the offside trap, etc., etc. I don't know, it just seems a bit weird that players just vacate their position especially then when the ball is going to get crossed into exactly that position and then especially when you've got three of the lamest players underneath you don't want to go up for that cross <laughs> like it's 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 murder that's in there you can't believe he's luck he's got matt cash backing off he's got kamara sort of peeking over the top of his head and mcginn just doesn't want to get involved it seems like he's sort of running around circles three of them just snapping <laughs> away at the heels as he goes up for the easiest header he's ever going to get yeah imagine Kiefer for being free eight yards out in your box i mean he's so fucking tall he went up for a header at the beginning of the second half and his ears popped <laughs> it's scandalous how easily we lost our shape our concentration and they're six foot five center forward you don't need to talk to a, a center half to understand that we cocked up there and whenever we do cock up cash has to tuck in cons might have handed him over but make sure the fucking cash has got a grip of him as well before you do just leave him off there yeah. and John McGinn's arse is the perfect thing for a keeper murder. This is yeah. the time to use it, John. Get it out. Fucking put it away when you're in centre midfield. Whip it out when you're in your own box. Yeah. Back into him. Just put your arse against his face. Jesus Christ, he's up free in the box. He's a six foot five centre forward. I, I, I would say to McGinn, like, yeah, just, just to simplify it, any box, use your arse. <laughs> when you're outside the box, just, just forget about it. Like, don't use it then. Like, no matter what, even if it is good sometimes, just the, the risk-reward isn't enough, but in either box. Like, look at the playoff final. Like, just use your arse on the keeper. Use your arse anybody around you. Back off into everything you see. And, yeah, like, outside the box, forget it. Like, But, I don't know, like, that, that, that goal is really... If if Luca Dean sort of summed up the attitude we brought to the game, like that goal just summed up how the rest of the game went then as well. Just like I've never seen a game pass by as quickly in all my life. Like I mentioned, the commentators talking about the formality after an hour, and I don't think anybody would have been listening to that. Any Villa fan thinking, "Shut up, that's a bit unfair." I think we all knew what was going to happen. Like time just flies by whenever Villa are in the lead. Like time does speed up. It's it's crazy. <laughs> Time speeds up, and you know what doesn't? The fucking Aston Villa play, ever. Like, once we start a game with no energy, 
it's just it, there's no coming back from it. You can see a Villa defeat straight, especially whenever the opposition scores after one minute and fifty six seconds. <laughs> but you can see a Villa defeat immediately once you can just tell. Like their players didn't even know the rule; they weren't even prepared enough to take off their jewelry. Like fucking <laughs> hell! Let's go to WhatsApp winges. All right, some fines just to get out of the way before we rattle through the rest of them. Um, didn't think I'd have to do this. Hoping I have to do it again. But look at Dina for wearing jewelry during the game and then going off during the game to take his jewelry off. Like, she's just like that. That's not in the rule book, but it has to be added in now because of the special circumstance, and it has to be more than a week's wages. I'd imagine. Um, when you add that to, he is the man who also crossed the ball out for a goal kick as well. He is not getting paid probably for the rest of his month. <laughs> and the only other person I have is Diego Carlos for doing the, the McGinn shot from 35 to 40 yards just chancing his arm you know like again there's so many moments here that you could pick that summed up Aston Villa and their limpness and like there, there's another one just centre half just like why not we're not doing anything else I'll just try I'll try a shot here for the crack well, like the, the why not is easily answered, but also as he was winding up for that, I mean, he was winding up for it for so long as well. And at no point did he think, maybe I should put my body in a position where I can actually strike this football cleanly. Yeah. Like he was running up to it at the wrong angle and then just fucking threw a leg at it anyway. I mean, you're 35 yards out, you need to be right before you fucking hit the ball. <laughs> yeah, he, he literally just threw a leg at it and thought, like, let's see like, what happens. Threw a leg at it from 35 yards. Like, he, it's not like a ball bouncing around the six-yard box. Just throw a leg at it. Let's see. Hopefully, hopefully, I can just get something on it and it'll go in. <laughs> the first WhatsApp winge is, I mean, where is Steven Gerrard's pride? Because Scott Parker has just absolutely bossed him. Scott Parker has bossed Steven Gerrard, a man who showed up in a Top Gun uniform. Like, he looks like he's dressed for Halloween. <laughs> you know. Football three shipping out with the navy at five. Like what? <laughs> imagine, imagine not only being beaten but being absolutely bossed by a man running around in a jacket like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. And this this is the man that made Stephen Gerrard look like he was wearing a clown outfit. I mean, we were destroyed by a team <laughs> being led by someone that thinks it's okay to leave the house like it's Halloween night. <laughs> Fuck, it's grim. I don't know, I've never seen it in my life. Nobody knows what we're talking about. Just go by. I'll tweet out a picture of it. Like, he's wearing a blazer with stripes on the arm. <laughs> it looks like he's taking the piss out of the Scott Parker thing now at this stage. Second WhatsApp winge. I mean, talking about Scott Parker, Boston, Stephen Gerrard. Villa were bullied today. And the, the saddest thing is, is that I actually think, I actually think this Villa team, and this is a theme now, are far too happy to take those fouls that they're given in the middle of the pitch because they want a breather. How often was that poor commentator looking at those poor Aston Villa players and he felt the need to mention how hot it was? <laughs> you know, hot sunny day out there. Yeah, it's the same for every other fucking team playing. But every time a, a, a Bournemouth player came in close to a Villa player, they went over and they took their free and they, they let the, the opposition just go back and set up. And they rolled her in the ground. They got their drink. They just took ages. Like, and, they, and they were just delighted to stop the game dead because they couldn't cope with the intensity of it. Yeah, it was it was really, really, really pathetic. And we were playing... Like, Philip Billing was the centre midfielder for Bournemouth today. I mean, there's a reason why whenever they got relegated 
two years ago, three years ago, nobody went in for him. There's a reason why he's been left in the championship to come back <laughs> up with the same club. There's no one's interested in him because he's not that good at football. And he just completely overran us. And it was so pathetic from Villa, the amount of bricks that they wanted, that the referee ended up forgetting that the rules have been tweaked again, that the bar has been raised again, that you shouldn't be given freeze for this. The ref just started giving them then after a while. Like Aston Villa are the only team that seemed unprepared for this. The amount of times they were just sitting on the ground looking up at the ref, that's not a fucking foul anymore. Get up, again. What the fuck are you doing? Not only is that pathetic, you're also the captain now, so definitely fucking cut it out. Yeah. JJ was at it. Kamara was at it. Our fucking new rock. <laughs> Did you see Anthony Taylor last night during the Arsenal Crystal Palace game? Like there, there was a man who's here to play some football or to watch some football, like not to blow the whistle every two seconds. Like every time, every time players came together and went down, every time somebody was looking for, it, he just wasn't having it. Like and it actually, after a while, it did take a bit of bedding in to both teams. But after a while, then I think everybody just and the crowd as well started accepting. All right, we're not getting fouled for shite things anymore. You know, when you have a good referee actually applying it consistently, but in this case, in this case, I, I think both teams were sort of happy for it to happen. You know, Bournemouth wanted to get back and set up, and Villa wanted them to get back and set up so they could have a bit of space outside and, and play around on their own. <laughs> so I think the ref in that case stepped in and just said, Yeah, this will keep everybody happy. I'll give the foul. Yeah, and you're right to point out that game. I mean, it was a lot like that time Raheem Sterling conceded two penalties because he introduced the rule where if you touch anybody in the box, it's a penalty. And he got done in the first game of the season. And last night was like first game of the season syndrome. And you would expect that the Aston Villa players were watching football last night. But given how they played, I'm not sure if these lads have ever watched a game of football before (laughs) in their lives. So there's no reason for us to think that they might know that the rules have changed. The last WhatsApp whinge is what a what a bunch of offside merchants. I've never never seen a team with as little men forward. Like Villa commits so little bodies forward, it's it's scary. And with that amount of people forward, I've never seen as many offsides in all my life. A team with as little men forward be offside so often. How how can that happen? It seems like point for point, I say Villa are the most like today anyway, we're the most offside team of all time. <laughs> But I think that probably just speaks to, to how cowardly they are, how cowardly they are in contact, how cowardly they are on the ball. They, all they wanted was space, and there's a lot of fucking space behind an opposition's backline for a reason, because they know you can't go in there when the opposition has the ball. And they were just making the runs too early because they didn't have the courage to wait for it. They didn't want to they wanted to get away from the opposition. They didn't want to have a man beside them whenever they were receiving the ball. That's why they were coming back out and playing around the outside. That's why they were running offside, like it was going out of fashion. But th- th- this is the thing, like, you know, th- these players, they need to know that, do you know that pass to Kamara or whoever the defensive midfielder is? It's so easy because that's what the opposition wants you to do. Like, <laughs> of course he's on all the time because they're not worried about him there. Coutinho needs to know that there's so much space out at the halfway line because that's exactly where the opposition want them to be. They're not worried about you there. Like Villa, re- like and like it, it is mad that we're still talking about it, but they need to learn. And yeah, they need to grow a set of balls as well, but they also need to learn they play more difficult football. Like the reason the, the best players in the world are so good is because they do things that are hard. Like you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't decide games doing what the Villa players were doing today. Like just, turning around on the sideline, getting it back to Kamara, or having your most creative, most dangerous player drift out to take the ball off Kanza. Like, how is that going to impact anything? How are you really going to take charge of a game if you're not going to 
take the ball in a really perilous position for both you and the opposition. Like that, like that's that's how like a balance switches, and that's how you can tilt it. And if you look at, I think, I think the reason Buendia is so popular and effective now as well is like you see when he gives it away, it, it's often he's given it away to a player who just has to scramble it clear. Because he is try- always trying to make something happen quickly. He's trying to make something happen in a really dangerous, tight space. And anybody around him, then, even if he is, like, his pass is loose or his touch is loose, they all their team are just like, fuck, like, you know, and they react and they don't have time to get a touch on it and start moving out with the ball. They just clear it away. And usually that keeps Villa going and that, that gets his that gets his gander up then as well and he goes looking for the ball again and it, it makes someone else happen again. And when you do that over and why am I explaining football to a bunch <laughs> of professional footballers who are way better at football than me? Well, this is the thing. That, that is absolutely the reason why Buendia is the most popular player at Villa because he wants to play football. It's it's so simple. It's it's mind... Mind exploding. <laughs> Everything that players need to realise that there's no risk in rattling the ball into your midfielder or there's no risk in the midfielder rattling the ball into their forward because you shouldn't be fucking up that pass. It's grand. Play it through the gap. There's a gap there. Play it into your midfielder. If you, if there is no gap, the midfielder has to go fucking make the gap and get the ball in behind the opposition striker. But there's also no risk there because Burnmouth are playing a back five and Kiefer Moore is up to <laughs> It's fucking grand. Like you said, whenever Bundia tried it, they just lumped the ball away. Of course they did. They're fucking shit. Rat all of your players. You're one line up for me. Yeah. That pretty much sums it up, but we'll have to give out some awards after this. You mean it's like a fucking excited dog? Doggy Louise. There's no point in all fucking three running over the ball. It's like someone, someone has to kick it. I honestly don't think Dougie knows what, what routine is being called. You mean he's like a fucking excited dog? Like just, just happy to be there? McGinn and Bundia run over the ball and fucking Doggy comes bounding in. What, what are we doing, guys? Running over the ball, is it? Oh, that, that looks like fun. Oh, you guys are the best. Do- Doggy should have spent the next 20 minutes licking his neck, snapping at his ankles, humping his leg. Like a good boy. <laughs> that looks like fun. Oh, you guys are the best. No, where are you going? You're the last one. You have to hit it. That's a bad doggy. <laughs> Alright, let's start with the Ronnie Rosenthal Award. Had a presently short list of nominations. I think I've only got two. It really speaks of how bad Aston Villa were. I think I've got two outsider nominations, really, from an Aston Villa point of view. Um... It's the one that Cash played forward to Leon Bailey, who had a nice little flick onto Danny Ings, who probably should have taken it on the half volley on his right foot, but he decides to get it onto his left foot and have a have a tame shot. And it's it's another Danny Ings nomination then as well, of course. Uh, the the one cross that I remember that found his man was uh, Luca Dean finds Danny Ings, who just heads it over, heads it, heads it way over the bar from six yards out. Yeah, it's it's actually JJ. It's a delicious little. Watkins-esque header from him into into Danny Ings, but like, 
Danny Ings is less threatening than a kitten in a pram. And the, <laughs> the next thing down the ladder of terror is Danny Ings on his left foot from the edge of the box. And it, it, was, it was a good technique to turn on to his left, but a terrible idea to turn on to his left. <laughs> and the header, like it's, it's a good recovery from Dina, but and he hangs it up well. That's, it's the right cross for a centre forward. And Memphis is fucked because it's above his head. He's stuck on the spot and Ings has the run. But as always, it's only the ball boy that's called into action. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Like, and uh, even from a from a Bournemouth point of view, like it was such a such an uneventful game. They got the two goals, and I I think I've got one more nomination for them, and it was a better nomination than any of those. Really, it was Solanke. Um, McGinn gets done at the edge of the box. He's planted his two feet and just drifted by him. Um, and then Cash and Konza both both just go like hell for leather going from right to left, chasing the runner who just like drops it off very nicely to Solanke, who's going the other direction. And Villa's two right-sided defenders are made to look like absolute mugs. And Solanke has a tame shot when he should have done way better. Yeah, it was absolute panic stations. It was like they all had heat stroke and it was a decent save for Martinez. I think he should have done better as well to take yeah. it in because you're right. It was a fairly tame shot. But like three players getting taken out by fairly rudimentary things at the edge of a own box. Says it already. <laughs> uh, what's the winner? Probably the the header from Danny Ings. Like, like once again, Danny Ings thinks that he's going to get away with this award because he's made it look like such a a non chance that he doesn't think it'll be nominated. But like again, that that has to be a goal. He's six yards out. It's sat up for him. He gets his head hit, but he never once looked like even getting half around it. Never mind over it. It was just just came straight under it and cleared it over the bar. He's got a real fucking habit with getting under headers as well. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Has he never practiced heading? He just doesn't seem to understand that you head the ball down. Like you've told that your whole life, Danny. It wasn't a joke. People aren't taking the piss out here. You're not going to get caught out. Fucking head the ball down. That's what it is. Yeah, that's the winner anyway. New nom- new category, Liam. Oh. The Remy Guard. <laughs> Are you even bothered? <laughs> The Are You Even Bothered Award uh, has to go to Matt Cash today. Like That was the l- least Matt Cash performance I can remember from Matt Cash. Like Not getting forward. There was one stage Kamara was breaking. He he'd intercepted the ball and he drew forward. And it's just like he gets so pissed off. He looks to his right and he stops and he says, Come on! Like, get, what are you doing? Cash was just looking at him. He looks so lethargic all game. Um, like he, he sat someone down at the edge of the box with like sort of the same sort of dummy that Danny Ings threw. And all he had to do was just slide Bailey in, and instead he just takes a left foot shot into a body like it was never, never going to happen. Like the the goal, I thought, I thought his involvement for the goal was the worst. The second goal was pitiful, actually, just the, the way he made himself smaller for Kiefer Moore. And there was a miss hit as well. Buendia switched the play late on. Nice pass from left to right. Like when, like, <laughs> not to labour his point, but. When is making football look way easier than the rest of them are, it's like you, know, you get the ball to one side of the pitch where all the other team shift over and now you try and sh- try and shift the ball to the other side where there's space and you try and get an overload over there and he finds Matt Cash, he just completely mishits it and the worst, like the mishit was bad enough and then he just follows it up with the laziest fouling that you've ever seen and I, I thought this boy was, was bad today, it was he's definitely the winner of the, the Remy Guard award. <laughs> 
imagine imagine spending your time going back over this match fucking hell so everything you said there gave me palpitations it was fucking <laughs> so pathetic that one where he just didn't play leon bailey through you can understand that from a couple of reasons like you know Mac, matt cash thinks he's fucking cristiano ronaldo and he obviously thinks leon bailey is not <laughs> just he was having a shot all day long there as well. That, that that he was he wanted it on his right. He only dummied it because he didn't get it out of his feet quick enough. Otherwise, he would have shot. Shifted it onto his left. Also, didn't get it out of his feet quick enough. But the <laughs> chance had gone, so he had to have a shot. It was fucking pathetic. And yeah, you're right. It's amazing, absolutely amazing that Matt Cash and the entire team could be so lethargic. Like it, it's the first game of the season, and we were playing like the last eleven of last year. Like we'd given up. Like we're on the fucking beach. It was bizarre. It, I couldn't believe it. I don't care how hot it is. You've just come back from your fucking holidays. You've just been brought into the prime of your fitness. What the fuck are you doing? Unable to run around. Like it wasn't that hot. The game was in England. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely the earliest we've ever gone to the beach. <laughs> But it feels like, you know, the next 37 games are a write-off, really. They're already gone. Like They're, they're looking to get on their holidays again. <laughs> they must have had a fucking great time. <laughs> yeah. Do you like Glenn Whelan take a 90th-minute penalty award? Uh, first place to start, really. I think it was a surprise to everybody. Ings up top on like instead of Watkins is one thing. But also just Ings up top on his own. Like, is, is Ings a lone striker? I don't think he is. And then especially when you proceed to play the way we played. Like, just like long balls forward like, once again. Why would you not play one of the better strikers in the league for that? Yeah, it's. I, I think it's strange. I, I think it was, like, both of those really captured the biggest mistakes I think he's, he's made. And like Burnmouth were playing a back three, so... A four-three free shape allows you to get should allow you to get behind the wing back, pull one of the centre halves out. But when you have Leon Bailey cutting back, going short with the regularity of a shit barber, you'll not be pulling anything out except for Villa fans' teeth. And if if ever there was a wide player not designed to exploit the space, not designed to go in behind, it's Felipe Coutinho. But also, we're the big boys here. I mean, like you, you guaranteed a seventh place finish on Thursday for fuck's sake. <laughs> Let's be a bit more ambitious. I think our diamond and front two would have been perfect, and then use Cash and Dinya to exploit the gaps behind the wing backs. And Bournemouth scored after two minutes. It's a different game. Yeah. Bournemouth are always going to be tight, compact, mad for it, but it's heightened now. How are we going to get through this? And I, I don't want to get bogged down in formations because. The big problem seems to be that Gerard thinks that deciding the formation is the extent of his job. Like, did you see us set up whenever Carlos Camara or Kanza had the ball? Did, did you see us repeat anything, repeat any movements, try the same run? Did you see us try to create any overloads, try anything to open space, and then try it again and again? Yeah. We didn't have anything. Like, we, we weren't playing in any particular way. We were just sent out there and then figuring out ourselves. And we don't have the fucking players to figure it out themselves. Yeah, like there, there are no patterns, there, there are no shape. Um, yeah, n- nothing that that's repeating itself, like you say. Like it, it is just a, a a lot of randomness. And I think, I think I might have speculated on Thursday, and then I, I quickly dismissed it, or I, I I suggested I was maybe being too harsh too soon on Gerard when I was like, well, I'm not going to compare him to Mourinho, but I do wonder is there an element of that? Like this is what I was sort of getting at on Thursday where it was like I think he's sort of trying to sort out the defense is all he ever talks about and then I think he thinks the attack should sort itself out 
which obviously isn't the case. And obviously the better teams and the best managers don't let that happen. But I do wonder, is that what's happening with Gerrard here? It's just like, I'm so obsessed with trying to not concede. And then if we have enough quality, they should they should sort it out themselves. Yeah, and he's going to be caught out a lot with that because the game has moved so far beyond sorting out your defence. Do you know why? Because every manager has decided it's really important to sort out your defence. <laughs> so they're all fucking doing it. And it's really easy to defend an 8 foot by 24 foot frame. It's not fucking difficult when you've got 22 players that you can use to do that. So the next element, the most important element in the world of football right now is figuring out how you're going to stop the other team from stopping you. And that's the difficult part. And managers who don't have it get found out, they get left behind, and they get the fucking sack. Villa can't Villa can't keep persistent with sending out 11 players who look clueless. It's not fucking fair on the players either. The, the players are better than this. The players need to be given a hand here. We can't just be not passing the ball back to... Like, we were falling into Burnmouth's trap on the halfway line of letting Carlos have the ball. What the fuck is that about? Yeah. Yeah, and it, this just sort of brings me on to the next nomination on the Ulick Glenn Whedon take a 90th minute penalty award. Is, do you know when Gerard often, and he says it with such conviction, the players are going to have to listen. It's very important that they take on board what we have to tell them. What's he talking about? Like what, what is he telling them? What are, what are the instructions? I, I, I honestly, it, it is the time now to ask that question. Like it's, We're one game into the season, but it's like he took over in November. Like it's he's, he's been there a long time now. And he probably got away with it because a lot of people were saying, like, yeah, okay, give him his preseason, let him sign players or whatever else. But but here we are now. Like this this is the season starting. And when we all said if like it's, it's Aston Villa, managers get put under pressure very quickly. And here you are now at the start of your your first season, and it looks worse. It looks worse than it did last season. Well, this is what I this is what I was saying at the end of last season. The, the big problem is that we haven't changed. Like there's there's no there's other than the players in the team sheet, there's no reason to uh, to believe that we've changed our manager. I mean, if you were just turning up to watch Aston Villa games, you wouldn't know that we had changed our manager in the last two years because we're playing the same turgid nonsense, going nowhere football since February 2021. We we have no game plan. <laughs> like, how, like, I couldn't believe within three minutes... Carlos was getting the ball and just dinking one for us. What the fuck is happening here? Yeah. As, as Ming's suddenly become three inches shorter, why has this happened immediately? <laughs> the beginning of the season, like you said, we want to think we have to get this, we have to get a proper preseason on this so we can, you know, develop as a club. Develop what? Yeah. What was he working on? It definitely wasn't fucking fitness either. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that is the thing. Like, you know, you're going to lose games <laughs> in the season and you. You know, sometimes you're not going to play as well as you'd like, or sometimes like someone will go against you, and it happens. But it just it, it, there was nothing. There was no, we didn't even see like at least we look fit, or at least that player is really coming into his own, or like at least it's obvious what we're trying to do there. That or that didn't work, or we got screwed over and got the got the win taken out of our sails. No, we just were shit from start to finish. And like the only other two nominations to have is, is the, the the crossing the ball. Like that that's part of what we're talking about. Like how, how is this? Like how have we taken such a, a long break in the summer and we've come back as, with this as our best idea against a championship team? Like, <laughs> like if they're used to one thing, it's cross, crosses <laughs> going into their box. And especially if they've got three centre halves, like you already mentioned, and three centre midfielders coming in to help out as well, and two full backs coming in to help that. Like, 
they're well set up for crossing. Like the big step up from Championship to Premier League is supposed to be the speed, the the, the how quick the the balls being moved, like how how fast you have to be thinking, the mistakes being punished. Nothing. Just we just cross the ball into the box and let them head it clear, or just let them take it down and take it out. And I, I don't know. Like this is this is probably a hindsight thing because I think you know how. How big a Kanza fan I have been, anyway. <laughs> but you know, sh- should Ming's not playing be be nominated <laughs> because just you know it is it is a hindsight thing. I'm saying I'm saying it for, but in hindsight, it seems like he should have played. Like yeah, they scored from their two knockdowns. We got our two or from two headers. We got our we got our two chances from a little clip forward and from across as well. It was just such a low quality game. But there's no need for Tyrone Mings to be brought into that game. We should be able to handle that. And I want to see us losing games, not because not because we... You know, the other manager out thinking he is a fine way to lose a game as well, but whenever it's just two teams that are just sent out to play a game, it was like two fucking PE teachers just rolling the ball who didn't give a fuck. Like, go out and play amongst yourselves there and then just sat there having a fag in the shed. Like, what the fuck was going on there? It was such a terrible game. I don't think Tyrone Mings would have made any difference, really, because it, he was just going to stand on the other side. To, to Romings, that's what he would have done. That's why he went to Kansas side. It wouldn't have been very difficult for Keeper Murray to figure that out if Tyrone Mings is there, don't stand next to him. So it mm-hmm. wouldn't have made a huge amount of difference. The Steve Bruce, we need to dust ourselves off. Worst post match interview moment. <laughs> um the the guy who <laughs> I think I've might have spoken about him before, but the guy who does the away interviews for the Aston Villa social media account. I think he's the person I like least in the world. Um, because, oh my God, like the questions. Just go back and listen to any of these interviews. I, I did a, a super cut of them before. But I could also do a super cut of Gerard and how often is one of the nominations. How often he said, it's on me. Oh. <laughs> I could do that now for 15 games. Gerard said, it's on me, it's on me. And, and as much as I prefer that to the Frank Lampard strategy, of playing, like you know, just, just putting everything on the players immediately, after a while, it's like, yeah, well, well, what are you doing about it? I, I appreciate that it's on you, but like, you know, you have to show me something now to show that we're not going to do it again. Um, and then, like, I think the worst of it was was Gerard talking about how they controlled the game. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like if ever there was an example of, of a team controlling the game without the ball, it was Bournemouth today. Like, they they just let Villa go into exactly where they wanted Villa to go into. And Villa, like the suckers they were, did it. Gerard actually said the words, we didn't do an awful lot wrong. Like that like that's that is fucking scary. That that that's what the manager said after a game like that, after a performance like that. And they think that he thinks we controlled the game. Like we had this all throughout last season where it was worrying that I, like too often in the interviews it seemed like he thought only thing we were missing was it was was clinical finishing. And it's like definitely that definitely wasn't the only issue. You can't just drop in. Uh, you know, one a world class striker, especially into a mid table Premier League team, and just assume everything works. And like you have to create chances for them. And Villa haven't been creating chances for a long time now. But the idea that we control that game, I don't know. It's it's frightening if he, if he thinks that's the case. Well, it's it's completely at odds with him also saying that's on me. You know, you know, to say we control the game and we didn't do much wrong. That's like him saying his game plan was implemented. But then to also say it's on him, the performance is, is ridiculous. He obviously doesn't think there's anything wrong with how he played, and that is absolutely terrifying. And he obviously thinks by saying it's on me that he's protecting his players. 
protect them by giving them a fucking game plan protect them by getting them out of tricky situations protect them by telling them where to stand whenever carlos has the ball where to run to whenever that gets blocked off protect them by understanding how bournemouth are going to set up and then having a system of play patterns of play and a formation that will exploit how bournemouth are playing don't protect them after every fucking week by saying it's your fault we know it's your fault we're watching the fucking game The next nomination from that interview, it's 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 the winner definitely. There's two more nominations, but this one has to win. It's <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> this is from a two minute interview. Um, it's the two of them celebrating how how Bournemouth didn't cut them open. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> I think the interviewer asked the question. Well, it's ne- it's never really a question. It's just a statement. Defensively, they didn't worry us too much outside those two moments. Yeah, outside the two goals, the only <laughs> two goals of the game. Um. It just shows how ruthless this league can be, or how ruthless the championship can be as well. It's like you know, if Villa think Burma for are ruthless, we're going to have a lot of trouble next year if we keep going the way we're going. <laughs> yeah, the, defensively they didn't trouble us except by doing two absolutely rudimentary things that anybody at any level of the sport should be able to defend against. Yeah, that, that troubled like, us a lot. Yeah, exactly. That troubled us so much that they scored two goals from it, and that was the only two attacks that they had as well. Don't forget. Yeah. Last nomination is it well it was just a final question. Um again, statement. One one game obviously won't define a season. Head back to Villa Park next week looking to get that first win. You know, like look, I get it. Like I, I you're part of the club, you're not gonna come out now and start like <laughs> you're not gonna completely slate Gerard to his face on the club's official channels, but maybe just maybe just take these statements out. Just put up the Gerard quotes or I don't know, just don't put it up at all. I don't want to see it. I've said this too often now as well. Every time. Like I am not appeased by this spin. Like I like this this calculated uh choice of words doesn't help me move on to next week and just makes me more angry. I'm really angry as it is, and I don't need fuel added to the fire. You know, just just go away. Just don't tweet. Just don't tweet until there's something worth tweeting about. Until <laughs> you sign some fucking players. <laughs> sign a fucking player. But like, that's the that is the annoying thing. Why? What is the point of these? Everybody knows what went wrong. So there's no point. There's no point in asking the questions. There's no point in asking the questions if they're completely loaded. If they're completely, if you're defending the manager before you've already asked the question. And there's certainly no point in asking the question if you know what the response is going to be. Stephen Gerrard is media trained. The training went as far as giving him three things to say, and he'll say those three things after every fucking game. Yeah. The Peter Enkelman What the Fuck Award. Only two nominations on the pitch. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's two Philip Coutinho ones. Uh, the free kick in the second half, everybody probably remembers. He just drills it out for a goal kick. Like he just <laughs> rolled us. He's on the right, sort of on the half space on the right hand side. Everybody's queued up on the left side of the box and he just rolls it out of play. I think maybe Bailey was talking about doing a run down the channel and nothing happened, just continue rolled it out. And the other one was him and John McGinn standing over a free kick 40 yards out on the sideline. I don't know why we need two players standing over a free kick from that position, on the right-back position, really. And Coutinho dummies it, runs over the top of it. And then John McGinn comes five seconds later and just whips it in anyway, about 60 yards away to the far side of the box. Gets head of clear. <laughs> you know Austin McPhee you know he's, he's an up and down man in this community of the Villa podcast but um, <laughs> I, I don't know why he's condoning these shimmies over the ball that far out yeah the first one I actually liked it I mean 
it was probably the only pass we played forward along the ground. So <laughs> it was reassuring to know that the players know it's within the rules to do that. And the, the next step in our progression is is making sure there's another human in front of the pass as well. <laughs> like the idea of dummying a free kick from forty or fifty yards out. I mean, there's gonna, the ball's going to be not only is it clearly moronic anyway, but the ball's going to be in the air for so long that the dummy becomes irrelevant immediately. You're trying to catch people out by making them move. Should a keeper could walk between his posts before the ball comes in from John McGinn's cross, the dummy is completely pointless. And the fact that we're crossing the ball from that position, yeah. Jesus Christ, like what have we become? I know we're playing a championship club, but come on, Stevie. And maybe this is the thing. Maybe Stephen Gerrard is just used to managing in this Scottish Premier League. Maybe that's the big problem here. Maybe he doesn't actually have any tactical noise. And maybe the fact that he was able to go unbeaten for Rangers just means that he's a good motivator, that he is good at, pro- at protecting his players. Maybe they just had way better players during that season. Takes me all nicely to the last nomination of the Peter Rankin What the Fuck Award, which is, what the fuck is the plan here? Um, like what, what What is the plan? We, we talk about ambitious owners. We, we've added two new players to the team this summer. Like, Is that, is that really... A sign of of major ambition. Um, obviously we've it's it's been there's been great investment over the last number of years, but this summer in particular, like, and the reason I think it's more pressing right now is because surely, surely Gerard knows himself as well. If especially the way he's been approaching, it seems to be approaching based on the evidence we've seen today, approaching this season, he's going to need he's going to need more players, better players up top. If he if he just wants those guys to to deliver a bit of magic and score he's going, to, he's going to need some sensational players up there just to just do that to just turn it on and he can set set up the back six back seven back eight whatever way he wants like surely he knows we need more more money more investment in the squad like, what what is the plan I, I don't know like right now like i would have thought the squad looked all right yeah that's why it was saying we could go for seven off the back of you pushing me in that direction by the way i said ninth to 14th and you got me you got my hopes up for seven but you know, I didn't think the squad was that bad. We we still probably think it's not, but it does look that bad under this current model. So this model probably needs upgrading. Yeah, it's amazing what ninety minutes can can make you think. And you did say this on the podcast on Thursday. Yeah, you can imagine halfway through the season, us just saying, "Oh, the players aren't good enough." The players are good enough. Like this is the reason why it wasn't difficult to predict that Villa would finish between ninth and fourteenth over the last two seasons because I knew the players weren't good enough. I just had to look at the players on the pages for the teams across the Premier League and you can predict where teams are going to finish. It's not difficult. It's not a particularly good skill. There'll be the odd team that breaks out. There'll be the odd team that has a shit manager. But based on the players, based on the wage bill of clubs, you can tell where teams are going to finish. And Aston Villa should be competing for 7th to 10th of the players that they have. But the plan absolutely has to be to sign another forward. We said this on Thursday as well. Villa need another bit of magic up there. They need someone who can come on and change the game. Because it came, like, are we going to go through the season just bringing on Buendia either between half time and the 80th minute? Is that the plan now to change games? Yeah. Like that, like that is going to be so easy. Like not only will a team be able to look at Villa, figure out how they're going to play at the start, they know what they're going to do in game then as well. So there's no element of surprise. <laughs> Get ready for it. Between the 45th and 80th minute, they're going to be bringing on Buendia, which will change fuck all. He'll run around with a lot of energy, but he's going to be playing with a load of numpties who don't understand that they should be running into space for him. They should be coming short, going long running in behind like, it, it doesn't matter Bodia can run around as much as he wants he's got nobody to pass the fucking ball to he, he really does expose like how little enthusiasm the rest of them have like he looks like the outlier like he, he looks like the rare one that he's running around with so much energy and like buzz like what like, they're making him 
look like the stupid person because he's getting the ball <laughs> and passing it and looking for it again. Like, it's just statues standing around looking at him, and he's just got far too much excitement. It's almost like, what are you, what are you doing? It's, it's like you know, people are just like too cool to be getting involved in this activity too seriously, and he's, <laughs> he's the one that is doing it. Uh, oh, it's so grim. Yeah. Uh, the vitamin meter, I only have one thing going up. Really, which is a bit of a stretch, but um, I know you, I know you like this one. Uh, the blue on blue on blue jersey short socks combination look look good, didn't it? Great, great day to talk about fashion. Can you caught me on a good day? So I'll <laughs> indulge you. I won't. Awesome. Who's going down? Going down. Uh, Matt Cash and Luca Dean. Obviously, for all the reasons we mentioned, like Matt Cash winning the Remy Gard Award, Luca Dean literally being AWOL for the first goal, um, and, and just. <laughs> well actually you know here we are a couple of days later as well off the back of us saying that they're the best the, the third best fullback parent the <laughs> and they just don't show anything and do it like they, they need to be more important in the team and that brings me on to somebody else who's young but he needs like he can't be coming off after 45 minutes that was a bad day for jacob ramsey um i think he needs to be moving on to another level another standard um of himself to, to not be to, to not have the curly finger pointed at him like he needs to it needs to be bigger than that now, I think. Yeah, but like, what's what's the point in picking Ramsey out? I mean, you've just watched the manager crash the ship into rocks, and then you've walked down into the hull, pointed at one of the rowers, and said, "You, you cunt, come with me." What the, <laughs> fuck, what the fuck are you at? Like, it's 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 not Jacob. Like Jacob Ramsey was taken off because we were one 0 down, and he couldn't take off his captain. Like that's the reason Jacob Ramsey was taken off. Bailey could have came off. Coutinho could have came off. Ings could have came off. They were all fucking shite. We covered the two fullbacks. The whole team was completely malfunctioning. And because Aston Villa are so predictable, Jacob Ramsey was coming off for Emi Buendia and there was no question in any sentient Aston Villa fan's mind that was happening at halftime. That was just the manager's out. That's what he thought he was going to do to change the game. And it was so predictable and so pointless. Yeah. I suppose, like I'm not, I'm not laying this game on Jacob Ramsey's door. I suppose I'm... I'm wondering, you know, what why is what why is Buendia showing a bit of spark in that position, and why is Ramsey not? Like you know, because we know what Jacob Ramsey can do, but it shouldn't be that. Because like, I'm looking at that now, being like, well, why doesn't Buendia just play there instead of him? Because I like, said there's another nomination for earlier in the, in the show, like just just play Buendia there. He's always our best player when he comes on, and now we can play him number eight. It turns out. Yeah, but, um, but, what, but why was nobody showing any spark? That's that's what my point is. When he comes on to give spark, he's, he's told you're going to go on and change this game. If Ramsey had to come on in that game for McGinn, then Ramsey would have looked better as well. He would have looked like he had a bit of spark. But like, yeah. there's there's so many players you could just pick out. Like anyone, like honestly, any one of those, that front six could have been taken off. It was it was a waste of time them playing. I can imagine, imagine we were getting excited about Leon Bailey because he hit a volley into the ground and it looked up over the keeper. And, be, and because he had the wherewithal to run at Victor Lindelof and then hit a shot on target against Abbott De Gea, Leon Bailey's not a serious footballer. And we find that out every fucking time he plays. <laughs> a lot of people are happy for performance today. Ah, like he, he's a waste of time. Like the whole team was a waste of time. Leon Bailey was shite. Ramsey was shite. McGinn was non-existent for our fucking captain. Kamara couldn't have had a worse start to his career. Danny Ings. 
Danny Ings is Danny Ings. Like, how many more times can I go after Danny Ings? Yeah, Coutinho was in it. Oh, like, I didn't even put Danny Ings going down because that, that is, he's probably down far enough anyway from last season. Coutinho was the other player to have going down. Just for taking easy way out again, I said, like, it should be a fine assistant for him. Like, we'll add that in. Every time he crosses the halfway line, he should be fine because that's not what he's there to do. It's not what anybody's there to do anyway outside of the centre backs, but especially him. Um, and. I think he was getting a bit of an out just on the commentary I'm looking at, just you know because because we were crossing the ball into the box and like I, I get, like the sort of point you're making about Ramsey as well. We were all bad. Like he like if I'm saying Ramsey needs to demand better of himself, Coutinho needs to be the fucking leader of the team. He needs to stop that shit happening. Like these players do that. They're they're magnets for the ball. They they shape the game. Like, well, that's what Coutinho can do. We've seen him do it. And he has to just be a bit more command. doesn't matter if they're playing up his fucking arse. Tell them they pass the ball to you. Just go hunt them for it left or right. You can go wherever you want. You have that that license. The manager fucking loves you. Just just go and affect the game and stop stop the rot, stop the shit. And like, I'd, I'd lay it more on his door for the front six, really, because because he's Coutinho. He's, he's the big signing. He's, he's the big profile he's the player who can do it as well never mind his reputation i get i, get, I got exactly what i expected from ings today in the in the lone striker role <laughs> yeah you're right like, like philip coutinho has to has to say to players just because you wouldn't want to receive the ball there doesn't mean you don't play it to me yeah give me the fucking ball in that position and that's exactly when you should be giving it to him as well whenever it looks too tight because then he'll turn and all of a sudden there's a gap like i like i do feel a little bit Sorry, I don't feel bad about it. It is almost pointless giving out about them. Like, you know, the amount of times that Leon Bailey refused to cross because it was on his right foot. Like, every time Leon Bailey gets the ball, you know he wants to go on to his left. That's irritating. But he was also refusing crosses on his right because there's nobody in the fucking box because yeah. he weren't getting anybody up there. Coutinho had to drift out in his own head because he wasn't getting on the ball. That's just what players like Philippe Coutinho do. That obviously has to be taken out of their game because it's it's completely counterproductive. He has to just have the discipline to stay there and wait for the ball to come to him. But they don't, those players never do. Whenever their teams are having a stinker, they come out to touch the ball. And all this comes back to the fact that the the team didn't, that the team completely malfunctioned. So those players will be led down those alleys. Only other thing going down was uh, the camera angle. Yeah, it just keeps going down lower and lower and lower. <laughs> <laughs> As the game progressed, like Jesus, I don't want to see another game in in that stadium ever again. Like, like what a fucking terrible shot that was! It was rough. And you couldn't really see. You couldn't see when a chance was on, when a shot was happening. You couldn't see. You could like I couldn't see if Kamara actually was shit. I couldn't tell anything. Like yeah, I don't know if he was covering off space. Well, like, you had no idea what was going on. Coutinho picks up the ball. You don't know if passes are actually happening. It was dreadful. It shouldn't be allowed. Yeah. Questions we can't answer, but probably will. Um, do Chelsea think that they screwed over Brighton by giving them sixty two million for a left back? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like, I said on Thursday that I thought Ben Chilwell was the most overrated player in England. Turns out the new Chelsea owners agree if they're willing to throw that amount of money after Cooker. Yeah, <laughs> fucking hell! Yeah. And look, ever since ever since Qatar said fuck this, we can't get the stains out with Zlatan. Can we try rinsing it with Neymar for two hundred and twenty million? And then Barca took that money, added fifty million to it, and spent it all on continuing Dembele. <laughs> the, the ability to attach any sort of scrutiny or value to transfer fees is completely gone. But but let's get real here: we we can still see an abhorrent waste of money when it happens. Like it's not quite Harry Maguire, but it's sixty-two million on a left back. 
a left back that I think is good. Yeah, and yeah. Maybe, and maybe that's the most surprising thing. He's really good and he's a cunt, but he's not linking up with his kindred spirit pet. Like that's that's probably the most surprising thing about all this. <laughs> yeah, this this is a sort of example here. You know, like a, we're going to have loads of time to go after Gary Neville. And he hasn't said anything on this, but um, it is a sort of one where he would later in the year talk about how smart Man City are with their money because they wouldn't spend that much on Mark Cucurella. Like that's the sort of thing he'll be praising City for. He praises him far too often to be honest. But uh yeah the reason I'm I'm picking on Chelsea here is just because that you know, like the, the Chelsea social media admin is, is notorious as well for being a bit salty like but um during the week Brighton see Brighton have been playing these two clubs like a fiddle for the last week like just the, watching the price of Cucurella going up and uh, they put out a statement after everybody thought that like Jesus Christ, Chelsea are spending fifty million on more Cucurella at Brighton, and said contrary to inaccurate reports from numerous media outlets, no agreement has been reached with any club to sell Cucurella. And then Chelsea come back like two days later when they've obviously upped it by another twelve million. It's <laughs> <laughs> just word for word saying the same state, same statement saying. Uh, they can confirm that agreement has been reached, but uh, yeah, just throwing a bit of shithousery towards Brighton there. I don't think you can do that after you've just given them their record <laughs> fee by a distance on a player they only bought last year for about 16 million. <laughs> I think you're right, Colin. <laughs> uh, last question we can answer, but probably will. I know I'm panicking a bit now after one season or after one game, but like, that's what's going to happen now, like when you get completely outplayed by a, a championship team. Um, Surely, surely this either was or is, it definitely had to be the year that Villa went for, the season that went for. Like, this is a World Cup season. Like, this like this opportunity is never going to come around again. Like, like Villa, for a team who can't finish the season, like, we've talked about them going on to the beach over the last two years. Like, they're getting a six-week break in the middle of the season it's done for them like they, they this team who can't sustain a full campaign are getting six weeks to put their feet up most of their players won't be involved in the world cup they're playing against teams with more eyes on getting injured ahead of that world cup because they're actually going to have a lot of players who are going into it like straight in to that like if england win the world cup harry kane lifts the trophy he has to go eight days later to play brentford on Stevens day like that, like that's the reality for a lot of these players that like the Champions League teams they're going to be playing six group games now over the next eight weeks that's just before the World Cup as well and then we're back we're back like I say on the 26th like this this, like, this was the year that Villa really could have put in a massive effort to try and break in they're not just the top seven who knows beyond a bit of investment that you know a bit of I don't know <laughs> like we're nowhere fucking near it I think that's a really depressing thing <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you're saying, you couldn't even see out a season the last two years. Couldn't even see out two minutes this season. I mean, there's no reason to suspect that the fact that the season will be broken up by the World Cup will have any sort of a benefit on Aston Villa. <laughs> and the absolute fetish for playing games on Boxing Day is not going to be of any use to Aston Villa either, because. I think we play Liverpool as well. No. So none of those players are going to go deep into the World Cup. Like Allison's a goalkeeper. Trent Alexander-Arnold will be one of seven right backs, so he'll he'll be he'll have plenty of time to rest during the World Cup if he gets on the fucking pitch. Van Dijk's not going to go far in the World Cup. Matip retired from international football when he was twenty-five. Robertson's Scottish. Doesn't matter. Like you know, none of these players are going to be affected. Salah didn't get in. 
Liverpool are going to be absolutely flying for it. They're going to have a load of players are coming back angry and hungry that their season was broken up and just steamroll us because we're going to have a bunch of lads who, as it turns out, whenever they do finally get on the beach and have a break, they do fuck all with it and just come steaming back into the new season like they're steaming pissed. <laughs> yeah, like the World Cup's packing a lot of heat. We all know like the, the reasons that it's in in the winter and... You know, like obviously nobody agrees with with that, and the fact that Qatar got it in the first place. Yeah, that's all well documented. We don't even need to qualify it anymore. But there is a a part of me once you get past all the real serious stuff. There's a part of me that's thinking, this is this is cool having a World Cup breaking up the season. Like, who cares if the Premier League takes a break for a while? I don't know. Am I am I a bit too impure as a as an English football fan to just think like, yeah, I I wouldn't mind a World Cup planted at Christmas like that. That's fun to watch. Like, obviously, again. And why I'm going to qualify it. All the reasons that there, that it is <laughs> at this time of year, I don't agree with, and I'd rather it not happen. But the fact that it is happening now, I think that'll be an enjoyable few weeks. Yeah, like it's it's impossible to hold the World Cup in that part of the world at the traditional time of the year, and we shouldn't be excluding parts of the world from hosting the World Cup because of their geography. But any bid should include the fact that the tournament would have to be moved to the winter. And it could be judged on that basis then. And any bidding process shouldn't be judged by Sepp Blatter. And there, there, and there's plenty of other better reasons to not give the World Cup to Qatar. There are more important conditions that could be attached to any bid coming in from them. We, we know all that. But, I mean, I, I think it. I actually think it'll be enjoyable as well. I mean, it'll give us a break from watching Aston Villa for a fucking start. <laughs> I think that's probably why I'm looking forward yeah. to it. Ireland, Ireland won't be playing either. I mean, we break the season up three or four times a year to watch Ireland play Armenia. We can watch a fucking World Cup for six weeks. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. I think that the way I'm looking at it, I think it was it's laid out 16 games before the World Cup and uh, 22 after, so 15 more games to go and we all get to those. <laughs> 15 more games, we can do it. Let's uh, hang in there together. And that's it until thursday we'll see you then thanks a million for listening please subscribe if you haven't done so already um yeah we're on the villa podcast on twitter we're the villa podcast show on instagram and just because nick watts requested it on twitter and because we probably need to laugh at somebody else other than ourselves after an hour of kicking ourselves in the stones here's that harry mcguire audio bit I've been letting you down, down. You think you think Harry Maguire's a bigger loss than Harry Kane? Yeah, I do. You lose Harry Maguire. That's a big problem for Gareth Southgate. His biggest problem? Yeah, I think it's his biggest problem. The situation got out of hand. I hope you understand. Are you mental? It can happen to this is analysis that you have to pay to get. <laughs> That's bollocks on so many levels because, like, number one is Harry Maguire. Oh, God, I cannot believe that Harry Maguire has played six games this season and he's made the same mistake five times. Number two, the drop-off from Harry Maguire to Tyrone Mings is not what Gary fucking Neville thinks it is. And I remember we were saying, Harry McRae.
Gary Neville, for some reason, has disappeared up Gareth Southgate's arse. I think we've got the best manager we could possibly have for an international team. I just don't know why Gary Neville is persistent in trying to talk him into Franz Beckenbauer. He's a fucking siren calling England to shipwreck. Harry Maguire injured, I think the ability to go to a back four is lost. He was by far the worst player on the pitch. Come He's on, uh, really shit. <laughs> Imagine Harry Maguire was missing. Harry Maguire! <laughs> but it's absolutely unbelievable how whenever you play a ball to a fridge, you end up conceding the chance. Most blocks, most interceptions, most headers, most tackles. For Man United, he had more blocks than Lindelof. Harry Maguire! Harry Maguire. He just cannot get the ball out of his feet. And I know we cost 80 million, so it must be difficult for people to, to make the link that he's actually shit, but just make that link. Harry Maguire. 50% of Gareth Southgate's preferred team started the Champions League final three weeks ago. We've collected more trophies in England than Harry Maguire has convictions in Greece. Harry Maguire! You would pick a team with Maguire and Calvert-Lewin rather than Mings and Harry fucking team. Uh, uh, apologies to the fans. There's no emotion behind it. England's most important player is Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire! <laughs> that is just insane stuff. Grow up, Gary Neville. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 